Hey, this is Harriet Westmore with the More Hair Care Products Galore podcast. Please stay tuned to my upcoming episode where I'll be having my featured special guest, Miss Melissa O'Toole Wilson. She is the hair care product creator of the Hair Garden Nursery. Also, please check out my website at www.morehaircareproductsgalore.com where I have now t-shirts that will signify who we are as women of color. I think you will like it. So again, stop by at www.morehaircareproductsgalore.com. So welcome to my episode number two of the More Hair Care Products Galore podcast. I have a special guest with me today. Um, before I introduce her, I'm going to do some little bit of house cleaning. Um, I have set up a Patreon um, page um, where people can go in and get the um, content free of ads and also um, to sign up for um bonus content where we can go behind the scenes and talk about issues that's not necessarily on live. So go to www.patreon.com backslash more products galore and um, sign up. Also, um, I also add some t-shirts on my website, which is www.morehaircareproductsgalore.com. Um, I think you will like the t-shirts. It uh, signifies women of color wearing their hair natural. So check that out. All right. All right. So without further ado, my special guest is uh, Melissa O'Toole-Wilson. She is the creator of the hair product line, the Hair Garden Nursery. Welcome, Miss Melissa. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So let's talk about first, um, I know we did a brief um, discussion off air, but talk about your, um, just give us some background of your hair journey and, you know, how did you get started and why did you start wearing, you know, natural hair? From the beginning? Uh, well, with natural hair, it was just, it was always beautiful to me and it was always kind of strange to me how we would get teased for the way our hair grew. I was like, well, what's wrong with having your hair natural? Because, you know, I grew up in the relaxer days. I was a child. I'm an 80s baby, but I'm a child of the 90s. (laughs) You know, having that swoop bang and those relaxed styles were the thing to have. So new growth was a no-no. And, um, you know, I got the little teen magazines and I'll see the girls with their natural hair. And I always thought it was so beautiful. And then I went through an old uh, photo album of my mom's and saw her afro from the 70s and I was like mm-hmm. oh wow that just is so amazing I was just so 
I don't even know the word. I was just flustered by it. It was just really beautiful to me. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I look just like my mom. So she could pull off the Afro look. I think I could too. So it just started with me even like middle school and high school doing perm rod sets. Okay. I relaxed hair to give like a fluffy look so I could have like an Afro puff and stuff. And I was just kind of into that, you know, the whole 70s thing. Like I loved good times, the fashion. Right. You know, all that stuff. I just loved it. But I mean, just outside of that, I just loved the natural hair. I was like, what's more freeing than, you know, wearing your hair the way it grows and not worrying about always straightening it as soon as a little bit of it peeks through, you know? Exactly. So yeah, once, you know, in high school, you're kind of scared to just jump out and make such a sudden drastic change you want to blend in. So when I got to college, I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Let's okay, just, so, you know, shave it off because you meet so many different people and, right. you know, everybody isn't as shallow as they once were or, <laughs> or what you were used to mm-hmm. in your younger age. And like I said, it just goes back to wanting to fit in and all that. So, yeah, I took the plunge then and I never regretted it. You know, I loved it. I love being natural. I did the big chop. I tried to transition and... Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to wear kind of the styles I was used to wearing. Right, right. And I needed something low maintenance because I was a full-time student and working and stuff. So I just went ahead and did the big chop because I felt like it'd be easier and more time-saving and money-saving. As a student back then, you don't have much to invest back in yourself. Right, right. did the big chop. So tell me, how was the reception of people when they you know, see your hair back, especially back in the eighties. And cause you're like, it sounds like you were, you know, way well, I'm in, college in the early two thousands, early two thousands. Okay. Yeah. So then but it still, was I mean, you were, behind, you were way ahead of the most of us who decided to, you know, follow that trend. Yeah. And even then seeing natural hair wasn't something new to me just cause I was a big hip hop lover and neo soul. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. And you know, I guess maybe because the type of stuff I was into, I was used to seeing people with the locks and the natural hair and stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a mainstream accepted thing. It wasn't a very common, but I did see people with it. So mm-hmm. when I did decide to go natural, it was a big deal to the people I was around. They were like, what's wrong? You know, are you sick? Some people, you know, brought my sexuality into question. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It was just all types of just... Some people, my mental health came into question. Yeah, just simply just because I decided to wear my hair differently from what was socially accepted or what was deemed normal at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was experimenting and having fun with it. I was doing different colors. I was cutting it. I was wearing different braids and styles. But um, I got, I would say it was a 50-50. I got some negative reception and I got some mm-hmm. positive reception. Well, let me say 40, 40, uh, 40% negative, 40% positive. And then there was a 20% that just kind of didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't negative. They weren't like, ew, why'd you do that? And they weren't like, yay, you know, more power to you. They more so were like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I mean, I, I don't under I've never understood why is it such a big deal when our hair as women of color comes into question. You know what I mean? I mean, because it seems like, you know, natural hair, you're so it is so versatile to where you could do, you know, anything with it. I think with anything 
that people aren't used to initially is going to be like that. Because think of a lot of things. I'm, let's reach back to even women wearing pants. Think about the first few women who were wearing pants and people are probably like, some people are like, you know, more power to you. Yeah. Some people are probably like, oh, you need to stay in a woman's place. And some people right. are probably like, hey, what's wrong with, you know, I'm sure with everything different or any type of leap forward, I mm -hmm. want to say that we would take someone would kind of bring it into question so I just looked at it as that so I guess I, martyr isn't the right word I, I just took I took a lot of blows it, it mm -hmm. took a lot of confidence because you know some of this I, I took it as it was funny looking back now I was like how did you not cry at some of the stuff people said but I kind of took it as funny because I liked it Mm -hmm. So I didn't take it personally. So, and I think that love I had for it, people saw that because mm -hmm. I was able to defend myself. And usually I was kind of insecure coming up, but that was one thing I was confident about. You know, I was like, hey, it's my hair. It's how it right. grows. There was no mistakes made. You know, God didn't make any mistakes when exactly. it just came out of my head the way it did. And that kind of bled into, you know, with that confidence kind of bled into how I even got into cosmetology education. Because like I told you um, when we spoke offline, when I was in cosmetology school in 09, 2010, they didn't teach natural hair care at all. Natural hair or mm -hmm. hair in a relaxed state was seen as a problem that needed to be corrected. Oh, wow. Wow. It wasn't seen as a hair type to be taught. So mm -hmm. that kind of pushed me into cosmetology education and wanting to have a niche for natural hair education. So right. kind of everything fell into place. I don't know, because like I said, even though I was kind of natural before the movement hit, I, a lot of ladies were going natural mm -hmm. because, because I was natural and what of 2001 and I was wearing my hair like that and trying different things other girls who had been curious about it you know I wasn't the only one who saw it and mm -hmm. liked it mm -hmm. other people liked it too but we were trained not to like it and they didn't know how to take care of it so they just wanted to stick to what was easier so it was kind of like a little underground network where someone would see me wearing it and they would sneak up and be like, hey, even though I'm wearing a wig, I am natural under here. or I'm natural too, but I always wear braids because I'll never show my hair. So I began, began to realize there's a lot more women who are natural than we think. Mm -hmm. but Or some women just wear it pressed. Some women were like, hey, I'm natural too. I just press it all the time because I don't know what to do with it in its natural right. state. So there was actually more women natural than we gave credit for. I think the movement was more so of women wearing it proudly and um, like we discussed before, wearing it in the workplace because, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of women were natural, but they were wearing the wigs and the different hairstyles because of their profession or, uh, you know, how accepted it was in the workplace. Right. And that was another thing I dealt with, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> right. Well, let's go back to when you were in cosmetology school. I, I thought you, when we talked um, offline, you said something interesting, how you kind of influenced your instructor to, um, you know, focus on more of the, the uh, natural hairstyles. Tell us how you, you know, kind of 
Right. So um, the cosmetology school I went to, I love it with all my heart. Like I give it all praises because it kind of shaped me professionally, which was Augusta Technical College. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time when I was there, there was Miss Mulkey. Um, Mr. Wright was in um, the barbering section, but Miss Mulkey was the head of the cosmetology. What school was this? Augusta Tech, um, Augusta Technical College, the college okay. department there. Okay. Um, there was Moki, there was Miss Green, there was Miss um, Finch. Those were the day student, the instructors I dealt with on my end. Those other cosmetology instructors, but those were the uh, main three. I hope I mentioned Miss Green. I didn't want to leave her out, mm-hmm. but. Um, those were the main ones. And Miss Moki, she was um, very much into the natural hair. I could, we kind of called her a little Miss Lauren Hill because she had oh, her, um, okay. she had sister locks at the time. But oh, wow. She, um, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, there's someone with natural hair in mm-hmm. the cosmetology department. And then Miss Finch was the lady I told you. I think she was like from Blue Ridge, Georgia. She was from, from some small, small town, mm-hmm. um, like when you're going towards Savannah area. Okay. And um, she was the teacher. Yeah. So like I said, she in cosmetology and in most hair things, you're just taught about straight hair or mm-hmm. I don't like to generalize, but you are taught mostly Caucasian hair. Mm-hmm. You're not taught different textures or di- mm-hmm. how to deal with different um, textures that come with different ethnicities of people. Right. Um, so she was just teaching what she knew and she was an excellent teacher. She was excellent when it came to color techniques, roller setting and all that. But it was just with the when it came to Afro textured hair, she was teaching what she knew out of the book. Yeah, she was taught. So, like I said, they were like, well, they had straight hair, wavy hair, curly hair and then excessively curly hair. So even the terminology, I was like excessively curly <laughs> when something excessively is used, it's in a negative since you don't hear someone say, oh, she's excessively beautiful. No, you know, it's excessive debt or, you know, something negative. So I was like, I didn't like that terminology. And and so when they were talking about straight hair, they're like, oh, you know, use oil free shampoos, da, da, da. When it was wavy hair, they talked about use a diffuser, mousse, da, 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 da. But then when it got to the excessively curly hair, they were like, can be straightened with curl, um, chemical relaxer to make more manageable. I was like, wait a minute, really? That's, <laughs> that's the hair care you have for it. So I was like questioning and I felt bad. And I'm looking back because it kind of felt like I was challenging her, but to, you know, like she said in her defense, Hey, I'm just teaching what I know. So she was mm-hmm. like, hey, since you know a lot about it. Why don't you put something together and teach you know, that section, you know, I'd be interested to see what you know about it. Okay. And so um, they brought it to the attention of the lady with the natural hair, Ms. Mulkey, who was the head of the department as well. So she she approved it and she was like, mm-hmm. sure, put together something and let's see. So I'm so nervous and I go home and I took everything I knew just from my little underground sisters from, you know, being natural from what I researched. Because like I said, before I was in cosmetology school, I was in college and I did communications with a journalism focus. So I was always into research when I was writing articles. It was kind of, I focused on, you know, our hair and things that interested us as women of color, black Mm -hmm. women and you know, things that took place in our neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And I was just interested in that. And like I said, because I was natural and doing hair was a hobby, the internet was starting to boom then. So Mm -hmm. we were on Black Planet, um, Naturality, all these little chat rooms and stuff that um, where you could find stuff and meet other people who were into natural hair. So we were exchanging ideas. 
I've, in college, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I love to read in high school mm. and everything. In college, I have access to books that all the majors have access to. I'm in the dermatology section. I'm checking out those books. I'm get, looking oh, at wow. magazines. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, it's all there at your fingertips. I don't have to pay for that class to use the free materials that are there. And right. really, even you can go sit in on some classes, it's been, depending on the size. Uh-huh. If you're interested in something, I've sat in in philosophy classes and all times. I don't know if that's illegal, <laughs> but I have <laughs> sat in on classes if I'm interested and it's I have and it's not during my scheduled class time. I'll sit in. So yeah, I've sat in on classes that had to do kind of with skin and hair, some of the dermatology or medical classes, just to just get to their see. perspective. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've always been interested in that angle. So, you know, I have ebooks, dermatology ebooks, you know, diseases of the skin, diseases of the hair, trichology. I took, you know, all those little side things. So right. I took all the information I knew, put it in that PowerPoint. And I guess I impressed them. I exceeded their expectations. So they were like, hey, can you come teach this for the night class? Can you come do this oh, for the wow. barbering class as well? So Typically, when you're in cosmetology school, when you get your license, you have to go out and get field experience before you can come back and get your educator's license. But because I had my um, degree as well as so much experience just with the hair and teaching, Mm -hmm. I was doing hair shows, too, because like I said, even though hair was a hobby and I just was in cosmetology school because of social media, mm-hmm. Twitter and Facebook and whatever else. I Sometimes I don't even know how people found me, but, oh, I was blogging. Blogging was really big oh, in okay. 2010. So wow. because of blogging, you know, I was getting contacted. Like my biggest thing, I, it's it's my little personal achievement, even though it didn't go through. It, lets, it keeps me motivated to know mm-hmm. that somebody's always watching. But I was contacted by the Dr. Oz show. Oh, um, really? I did it about beer and beer. I called it beer and bands. So when you hear it, you think of people drinking beer and going to concerts and stuff. Right. So talking about how there's certain proteins and stuff in beer that actually can help strengthen hair. So I was doing rinses um, with beer. You know, mm-hmm. you buy it, you let it go flat. And I was doing protein rinses with those. And then banding was just a technique to stretch the hair, to stretch your curl pattern out. Yeah, I, I've seen that. It's called, was it banding? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it was just a little something I did. And she contacted me based off of that article. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, something I was doing for fun on the side as a student as a mm-hmm. college student, just experimenting with my hair. And I was like, I had no idea I was reaching that many people. So right. that was kind of even what encouraged me to go to cosmetology school and pursue it more. So it's still a hobby. It's still something I love. So I kind of get beat down by it, especially when I was doing hair full time. Mm-hmm. So were you working in a shop or you had your own shop? Um, before I was before I um, went to cosmetology school, I was braiding in shops because then the laws were going back and forth. You didn't need a license just as long as you weren't handling chemicals. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I was super Miss Supernatural hair woman. So I wasn't dealing with chemicals and stuff anyway. So I was doing just, you know, braids and roller sets and stuff like that. So yeah, I was um, doing like commission work in some shops and being assistants for a lot of really great ladies who taught me a lot as well. Wow. So tell us about when from your transition from, um, well, let, let me go back. What uh, 
actual products did you use for your hair before you start creating your own? Um, something that I used and I still use to this day that I just love. One was Nature's Blessing. It was kind of like a oil. Um, I think they say it was made by um, a company, a Muslim-owned company, and mm-hmm. they made it. And I just like the ingredients. I like the packaging. I like how it smelled. And I don't use as much oil in my hair now, but I do put it on my son's hair on his scalp because he has a lower haircut and I'll smooth it on after he gets out of the shower. Mostly I like the smell of it, mm-hmm. but um, I use a lot of nature's blessings. What else did I use? I'm trying to think back. We were, we were sifting through our mane and tail was something we used. Talia Wajid, she was um, in the hair care game for a long time. She was one of the earliest people I knew with a hair care line specifically for us. Mm -hmm. I used Talia Wajid, um, Bronner Brothers. Okay. Their line, like they had some leave-ins and stuff. And just experimenting, you know, we were picking up at, oh, um, Stace Afro. Oh, yeah. That was was a recommendation from my parents. They were like, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember my friends used to think it was so funny because my, you know, my parents are from Ghana, so my dad has the accent. So he was like, "Stay so fro, stay so fro." They're like, "Is he saying to stay so fro?" And so, well, hey, don't forget your stay so fro. <laughs> but yes, that was that was a natural hair staple of mine for the longest, like detangler and yeah, mm-hmm. stay so fro was mine. Someone's having a good time. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's funny. Um, so tell us when did you start wanting to experiment and start um creating your own the hair uh garden nursery and then putting it out there? Um, like I said, when I was natural, I was experimenting with color and all types of stuff. And a lot of the products that I was using when my hair was relaxed mm-hmm. didn't give the effect I wanted on my natural hair. So it wasn't softening it or helping it retain moisture or anything like I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with using color and stuff, my hair was drying out faster and right. different styles that I was doing. And so um, I started off even with the shea butter just for twisting. I just like the shine and how it made my hair feel and look started with the shea butter. Um, then I did an oil just because of braiding. I used to have, um, I don't know if I was allergic to the braid hair, but my scalp used to get kind of inflamed whenever I would braid it. So I, I made a little braid oil for myself and that was kind of it. And then my customers started asking, they're like, well, what do you use to keep your scalp this? Or what do you Mm -hmm. use for this? Or I'm having this problem. I want to oil for this. And I was like, well, I use this for myself so I can let you try some. And from there, it started, well, you need to make a shampoo. You need to make a conditioner. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess so. (laughs) But yeah, I was kind of using what everyone else was using at first. Um, I was using um, Castile soap, like as a cleanser like diluted Castile. So I was trying to keep it. um, Oh, Giovanni was also one I really liked. Giovanni products. Yeah, I really like their shampoo and conditioner. Um, I like Diva Curl for a little bit, but it started to dry my hair out. And then I started seeing the claims that people, after years later that people were having. So I guess I left it alone in time. Mm -hmm. 
But I know those have been out for a while. I hope I didn't uh, get off of the answer, the question that you asked. No, yeah. So um, as far as the hair, um, your your hair, the hair garden nursery, um, what started first? What was your main seller? As far the oil. The, the oil. oil. Okay. The oil. I was like the oil and the shampoo and the mint shampoo. Okay. The oil and the mint shampoo. Yeah, because the shampoo was the next thing that I came up with after the oil. So yeah, those two were my biggest mm -hmm. uh, sellers even now. Mm -hmm. um, I have my oil on the shelves at a, a real beauty hair and supply, real beauty hair supply in Willacoochee, Georgia. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. And so that's, that's like the main thing she orders for me in bulk. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'll put the link on at the end of the show so people can know where to, to get your products. So um, let's talk about some of the ingredients that go into um, making these products. Now, was it, uh, I know you, cause you are extensive as far as your, um, uh, the scientific part of what goes into what uh, formula to make create your own formula. I know we were talking before about um, fillers and I know a lot of, you know, us as natural, we always, you know, first it was okay to use mineral oil. Now you go on, go on the boards and say, and they say no, don't use petroleum or, or the parabens, right. or mineral oils and stuff like that. So talk to us about, you know, your expertise and your thoughts on that and those types of ingredients. Now with those, um, when the big natural hair boom came, you know, everybody wanted to be as natural as possible. I remember at one point it was like, if you can't eat it, don't put it on your hair. You mm -hmm. know, and even when it comes to that, I kind of look at it as like the food game. You know, you have your vegans, your vegetarians, then you have your right. hardcore meat eaters. So when it came to the ingredients, some ingredients are good depending on what you need them in the product for. Mm -hmm. So maybe some products are uh, made for color treated hair and those particular ingredients that we're told to stay away from are in there to help protect the color or to play some type of part that's needed for, or if it's a volumizing shampoo, like um, a perfect example, sodium hydroxide. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm using the right terminology because I haven't been reading into it in so long, but yeah, sodium hydroxide, that's the lie, mm -hmm. which is what um, is found in relaxers, but it's also found in hair conditioners. Why it's an alkaline that softens and swells the hair. So it just depends on the the strength of it, the percent oh. strength of sodium hydroxide that's found in it. So if you're using a higher concentration, it's going to relax the hair. A much lower concentration is just going to soften and swell the cuticle to mm -hmm. do what the conditioner needs it to do. So that was the one thing that they were using to kind of, I feel like, scare people away from just using things that might have been better for them and lean towards more natural things. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to see him be like, oh, yeah, just, you know, anything on the shelf is bad for you. If you can't pronounce it, it's bad for you. Mm -hmm. you know, that's not the case. And then another thing I learned, even through being a product maker, they'll use the scientific term as opposed to the layman's term. So uh, trying to think of, uh, I'm having a brain fart. Hold on. Oops, sorry. 
Hmm. Give me two seconds. So while while you're looking, uh-huh. what are the main? Um, so is it truth? Did you find it? Yeah, I was gonna say. So for example, you'll see something in your shampoo, and it'll say sodium chloride, and you're like, "Oh, that just sounds that yeah. salt." Yeah, the sulfates and stuff. I mean, the sodium. What is this? Sodium laura. Sodium laura sulfate. Yeah, is that is that good for our hair? That's a surfactant. So when you're looking at how the shampoos work. So even, so that was another thing, even when the co-washes and stuff and all that became popular. And I kind of like that hair care is kind of coming back to the basics. It's just coming back to science more than, you know, hype, hype of, oh, you need this and you need that and a hundred things and you have to pre-poo and then do a clay mask and do this. Cause I think it was, it was more for a financial gain, mm. but at the end of the day, I'm sorry, tell me your question one more time. Cause I got off on a tangent. Um, we were talking about the, uh, the, the fight, the, the ingredients, um, like the, the parabens and everything. Um, is it true that the first five ingredients are your main ingredients and if mineral oil, like parabens or the sulfates and stuff, is that something that we should still continue to kind of look out for to not purchase or is this something that's necessary in the to in making any of the products? Oh, okay, that's what I was going. Yeah, I was gonna say when we're looking at the cleansers, even there's the so you do want to how do I some of it is necessary just to preserve certain things that is needed mm-hmm. to do what mm-hmm. it does for our hair. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll say if the formulator is reputable and is formulated. with safe levels mm-hmm. of it because we're going to be exposed to it at some point in something we use. Right. But we do need those, uh, we do need those surfactants. And when you were talking about the sodium, sodium laurel sulfate that's in mm-hmm. the shampoos mm-hmm. um, to get the hair properly clean, we need some of those surfactants in the shampoo because in a cleanser, when you see that lather, it's basically representative of a oil loving head and a water loving head. When you put that shampoo onto your scalp and you're rubbing and you're massaging it, the oils and the dirt and whatever it is that you want to release off of your hair is going to be attracted to the oil loving head. And that's when the oil sits on top of water. So that brings the dirt and the impurities and whatever on top of that lather so that we can wash it away. Huh. So what, so what, what are your thoughts of, you know, all these shampoos now or conditioners that are coming out and saying um, sulfate free is that, is so that does that mean that there is really a beneficial, is it actually cleaning the hair or you actually do need that? Uh, yeah, I think they just have a different, um, <clears throat> when it's sulfate free, they have a um, replacement. Okay. Something that's just not as the sulfate. The sulfate surfactant is what's a little harsher. So they just use something. They're not saying it's surfactant free. It's just the sulfate free. So they're just using a different type of surfactant that's a little okay. gentler, not as harsh. Okay. 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 Good. So, um, 
Do you have any um like leave-in conditioners or actual the shampoo and conditioners on your um on your product line? Yeah, I do. And I'm actually even working on a new um product for um more of a um an oil-free scalp moisturizer mm-hmm. because I've gotten um I do have one leave-in that is really popular. It's the hair juice leave-in, okay. which is pretty, it has a very, very small percentage of oil in it. And even the percentage of oil that it does have in there is to act as a carrier mm-hmm. for some essential oils that I did put in. So it might be like <laughs> maybe an eighth of a tablespoon or half up to half a tablespoon of oil, depending if you get the two ounce size or the eight ounce size. Mm-hmm. And that one's really good because it's oil free and it has the moisturizers in there. It helps your hair absorb the product better and help with day-to-day styling. Okay. And it doesn't leave as much buildup because it's oil-free. Because the oil can block out moisture in the hair. So that that was my next question. So what what do you think about, you know, us that's using, like, you know, I don't want to say grease. (laughs) You know, as far as um, keeping our scalp moisturized without using, you know, heavy grease or anything like that, or oils. Because sometimes you use too much oils, it like you said, it blocks out, you know, it, it kind of clogs your hair up and mixing, you know, you got dandruff and all this other stuff going on. So what, what do you suggest for that? As far as, is, is there a, a, a substitute for keeping our hair, you know, moisturized on, in the scalp? With, um, for me, the thing I found was just having a a good cleansing routine, not going too long between shampooing. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, no moisture, no product you're going to put there is going to replace that water you need. It's kind of like working out. You can drink all the Gatorade you want, all the Powerade you want, but until you get just some good old fashioned water, right? You know, Gatorade mm-hmm. and Powerade has all these electrolytes and fancy stuff in there to replace whatever, but at the end of the day, what you need is that water. So just cleansing because sometimes what we're thinking is just our skin sheds naturally anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, even while we're sitting here talking right now, you know, we have skin cells that are kind of shedding off of us. Our scalp is going to shed naturally anyway. When you leave too much of those skin particles just in your hair, because our face, whatever else is exposed can, you know, leave naturally, but whatever's in our hair kind of gets trapped there, mm-hmm. especially if we're using a lot of oils and stuff which leaves more space for bacteria and stuff to grow, which gives us the scalp problems. Okay. So, so I'll kind of, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. With that being said, how, um, how often should we wash your hair? There's all, there's always been a, um, you know, different answer, different controversy, which some should say wash every week. Some say co-wash in between, or what, what are your thoughts on that? I always give the, the PRN, the as needed, Okay. <laughs> so I so the way the reason I say that is someone with a more sedentary lifestyle, someone who doesn't isn't as active, mm-hmm. they I would say maybe seven to ten days, then ten being the maximum. But let's say you work out a lot right. or you sweat a lot in your sleep and you're very active and you have, you know a lot of perspiration and stuff, then I would say weekly, maybe five to seven days. Okay. 
And do you, you, uh, is co-washing good? I mean, is that a good thing or what, what's your, cause you know, that's been a actual controversy too. Some say, you know, yes. And you know, a lot of people say no. So. When we were in that lather is bad, or, or, you know, just moisturize. Cause I remember back in the day, people were sleeping overnight in conditioner. And right. I was like, yeah. oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. You know, so the, the co-wash is to me, it's like using hand sanitizer as opposed to washing your hands. Okay. Okay. I I hope that's a good analogy because I don't want to say you know I don't I don't want to sit here and say it's the worst thing in the world because in with a co-wash yes you're still applying that friction and water to the hair but you may not be getting off as much you may be adding more conditioner onto the hair and not getting off as many oils as you need to get off and so yes it's making the hair feel more conditioned Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't let it replace a good shampoo and conditioner. And I don't want to be biased because I have skin issues. I have oily skin. So I just, I have to shampoo. Mm -hmm. I can't go more than seven days without shampooing. Otherwise, like I'll, my scalp will start to scab. Like I'll get inflammation and like even I could get a, a boil or something in my scalp if I don't. So like I, I, if I went too, too long, I say, you know, if I go more than seven days, I will, but like, if I just was trying to not shampoo, like I'm, I know I had some clients, um, I would be starting their locks and maybe they would come to me from another stylist and they would be like, yeah, I was told not to shampoo my hair until my hair completely locked. Mind you, the completely locking process can be anywhere from three to six months or maybe more depending on your texture and how the hair is treated. So I would have people who've gone six months or more without water touching their hair, which is wrong. Absolutely wrong. Because <laughs> so like I, I mean, that's, I know there's a lot of us up here that, you know, have the locks and the dreads and everything. So, um, so not touching your hair. I mean, you have to wash you in and condition your hair you just can't just let it go and let it start locking on its own correct is that and this is the argument i give them when they sit there and they're like well i i can't wash it because it needs to lock and i was like i hear your argument now listen to me with this and even this is when i had when i had hair i was like before you locked your hair if you shampooed it and you conditioned it you did not detangle at all and you went to bed, got up, went about your day, taking off your clothes, putting them back on, went back, shampooed and conditioned it the following week, did not detangle it at all. And you did that for a month. What would you do? Oh, my hair would be so nappy and I wouldn't be able to comb it. And da, 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 da. I was like, so how are you going to sit here and tell me that shampooing your locks your hair that's already been coiled into a cylindrical form, mm-hmm. just all we're waiting mm-hmm. on it to do is mesh. How are you telling me that agitating it with water is going to make it lock any slower? I was like, locking your hair isn't about gluing it together with filth. It's about <laughs> the hair meshing itself together. Uh-huh. Shampooing the hair and twisting it is going. It's going to lock. If you don't comb through curly hair, it's going to mat together and it's going to lock. 
Right. Plain and simple. Wow. Okay. Because I've always heard that, that, you know, you just let it be, you know, and then and I always wonder, well, <laughs> if I let it be, then how can I, you know, keep it clean? And, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's every head of locks I've started and I've started quite a few and maintained it. Let me not say started. The, the head of locks that I've started and maintained through their lock journey, mm-hmm. we shampooed on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. We never skipped a shampoo. We shampooed and twisted with something light that, you know, the light product that wouldn't be trapped into the locks. And right. we would shampoo, I'm shampooing to remove what I used to twist your hair the week before, because that hair should mesh on its own yeah. just for me agitating it and shampooing it. Now, so, is there a certain um, texture that works better? Uh, certain hair types that works better to lock or does it matter? Does it? Um, if it make, As long as it can make a full curl. So you can make that cylindrical shape. Like if it's the easier it is to comb twist it into a coil, mm-hmm. I feel like the easier. So as long as your hair can create a curl. So I'm not going to say, oh, if your hair, if you have fluffier curls, I mean, if straight hair can lock, then mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it's just the tighter the curl, the easier it is to lock because that hair is more inclined to mesh together than mm-hmm. a um, and also that goes into the shape of the hair. The tighter the curl is, the flatter the strand of the hair is. So think oh. of your spaghetti noodle as opposed to your fettuccine noodle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So the flatter the hair is, it's or curling a ribbon. It's you can't. It's harder to curl thread with uh, scissors, right? But you can right. curl ribbon with scissors, right? Right. That's true. why is that that flattened plane um, yeah. makes it easier to create that um, curled shape. So it's the same thing. Wavier hair isn't as flat. Mm-hmm. So that's why the curl pattern isn't as big. But that more ribbony hair, it's easier for that flatter hair to kind of mesh together. Right. So can you take like a piece of your hair and just um, finger twirl it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh huh. Okay. And that's a styling method, the finger coiling. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. And I want that even kind of goes back to um, this was just the one uh, one of the people I admire in the hair game, Madam C.J. Walker, of course, the originator right. of the, you know, the product game. Uh-huh. But even with her, she solved a problem that women were having then. And uh, the problem that Black women were having at the time when she created her line was hair loss. Right. Yeah. But that hair loss was just simply from not being able to shampoo and condition their hair like they should. Because you have to think back back then. I I don't want my ignorance to peak, but I feel like there was no running water. (laughs) There wasn't (laughs) running water then. And even when they had access to the water, they weren't wasting it on shampooing their hair. Most of the women were working women at the time. Right, right. When Miss C.J. Walker came into power, this is after the Civil Civil War. Right. Um, During the Civil War, a lot of women had to go back to go to work while the men Mm -hmm. were out fighting. Now, when women were back at work, they had their own money now. Mm-hmm. That they weren't allowed to have when they were home being wives. So now they wanted to spend on themselves and take care of themselves. Right. Exactly. And so now they were learning, oh, okay, I do need to shampoo and condition my hair. Because back then they weren't shampooing and conditioning as often and they were slicking their hair down with lard. Yeah. So 
think about the lack of the lack of hair hygiene that fat um fat that can go rancid and it's in your right. head it's yeah. going to cause hair loss but now you're getting fresher oils you're shampooing and conditioning on a more consistent basis it's going to turn around that hair loss so it's just as simple as that mm-hmm. okay and yeah i did my first the first episode was the, I, I just wanted to do the um, african-american hair the dirt the history of it and you know mm-hmm. how it evolved and yeah I, I was when i was researching and we had to use bacon grease and lard and all that and i'm like oh you know, yeah <laughs> things we did just to you know try to keep our hair you know manageable because we didn't have the actual hadn't have access to the uh correct um, items right you know ingredients you know the that we need it because, you know, as slaves, you know, they weren't, they were just getting leftovers. So we had to, right. we had it, you know, to make do with it. So, but, uh, so tell us, Ms. Lissa, about um, your actual hair routine. I mean, what do you, how do you care for your hair when you go out, you know, go to bed and when you wake up in the morning, do you have an actual routine that you do? When I first went natural, I felt like, because everyone was doing that that was something I had to do and I just mm-hmm. and then I was also obsessed with just I wanted the longest hair possible <laughs> yeah. once I let all that go I just I keep it as simple as humanly possible I shampoo it I condition it I put a little leave-in on there and that's it the shampoo condition and the leave-in okay all that extra stuff was giving me more all the extra oil was weighing my hair down, making it get dirtier faster. Right. All the extra products, it would be soft at the time, but once it would dry onto my hair, it just wasn't. So with me, I'm growing out a haircut because I had a fade. Mm-hmm. So even now in between, like when I'm, pre- I'm prepping it for braiding, it's just a simple leave-in. And then I'll do just a little bit of a butter if it just feels too unmanageable. I'll mm-hmm. use a little bit of a leave-in with a dab of butter and I, I don't use a lot of product okay. less is more now see that that's gonna be yeah that, that's my issue because I mean you know a lot of people they um make cocktails we so to speak yeah. of products and next thing you know you know the which actually makes you have to wash your hair and stuff more right all that you know product that you use every day that you do the you know the LLC method method and all that other cocktails that you're using you know it may work for some but you know I've I've tried it you know I'm trying to kind of limit my um hair product because I have a whole bunch of other I'm I'm a product junkie I am and you know I'm trying to find Mm -hmm. something that's simple you know and you know and consistent so right you know and And it's it's all in the marketing we're being told this is the next best thing that's gonna do this and that for you, but yeah, I, I, I once I kind of cut out the product junkie thing. Like, of course, I use my products. So I'll use my shampoo. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even condition. I'll just shampoo and then go straight to a leave-in. Oh, okay. I'll twist it down, let it air dry, and you know, there we go. Right, right. So I keep, I keep it, and I noticed once I started doing that as well. That's when I started seeing the most growth. Once I stop focusing on, oh, I have to do a pre this and then sit yeah. on the dryer with this on it and steam it and then have to use it this and then have to spray this on for 10 minutes. Once I stopped all that, it, it I think that was more so just for the 
allure of the movement. Mm-hmm. It, it feels good mm-hmm. for self-care purposes, but a lot of it was just extra. And then it started being exhausting and turning people off of it. Cause they're like, if I have to do all that just for. Right. Right. And then right. a lot and of it. You don't have time, especially, you know, you, up, you got kids mm-hmm. and everything and you trying to get ready to go to work. And, but you got all this long list of uh, <laughs> things you got to do for your hair to make your hair look and you know, presentable. Right. And, so yeah, it, it's, it's too much. It's too much. And one thing I wanted to mention too, that I'd, kind of dealt with a lot being behind the chair was like texturism like people just being unhappy with their texture envy yeah that kind of that I think that boosted a lot of these styling things because everyone wanted to achieve a certain texture that they didn't Mm -hmm. have and they felt like okay because I see this youtuber doing this this and that that's going to give me this and they so, played they played on people's or you know use this to for your hair to look like this so you'd have people you know oh if i put this you know a lot of people the curling puddings people are mad because they thought as soon as they put it in their hair their hair should just automatically just <laughs> solo curls yeah <laughs> i had a lot of people give me they're like i don't want this curl pudding i thought i don't want this and i'm like see that's not how it works so yeah they played on that a lot people's yearning for a, a ter- certain type of texture mm-hmm. and, and so, i tried to get people away from that you, everyone has a texture let's learn your texture right and, yeah so let, let's briefly talk about that and um you know it, it, it is the issue as far as the textures everybody you know what do you define as good hair Cause you know, good hair always, you know, mean that uh, the more straighter or whatever you're considered have good hair. Whereas some of us who, you know, have more coily hair, um, you know, we're yeah, looked that, on as that term has always been a, like a jab in the gut, and I hear it so much. To me, good hair is hair that grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it grows <laughs> that person's head. It's growing. You know, there's no issues with the scalp. There's no, you know, the hair isn't falling out as soon as it grows in. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, that superior. It's that superiority complex. Once I don't know, right. I don't know what it's gonna take to kind of get out of that because it's still there and still mm-hmm. strong and still being upheld. But I feel like the new generation of people coming up are kind of seeing through that. But it's a conditioning. It's going to take yeah, a while. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a conditioning. And, you know, it, and it goes, you know, not only amongst us as uh, uh, <clears throat> Black, Black people, you know, African-Americans among ourselves. I mean, it's, you know, it comes from the outside in, and it, you know, how you have to look a certain way, your hair got to be a certain way in order to be um, viewed as accepted, especially in corporate world. Right. If you work in a corporate world, can you imagine going to work, you know, with braids or, or you know, Afro or something and see, you know, how would you be accepted? I mean, it may be, you know, it's not, maybe things have changed. I've been out of the corporate world for a while. I'm in mm-hmm. another, you know, type of uh, industry, but I can't, you know, can't imagine working in, you know, 
a five, Fortune 500 company and, you know, have an Afro back in the day. Right, know, right. How, you know, how are you being perceived? As I don't know, because I just recently know. saw the... Um, I have to go go back and reference it, but I had reposted it on my Twitter. The, um, they just passed a law in New Jersey, I want to say, saying that they can't discriminate on people mm-hmm. wearing their hair natural. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it's still being dealt with. And, you know, the little underlying comments. I have a friend who works in a corporate environment and mm-hmm. she can tell when they don't like her hair. Just, you know, the the passive aggressiveness. Oh, your hair looks interesting. <laughs> as of, You know, when it's something more ethnic as opposed to when she wears it straight or blonde. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, your hair looks great. You should always wear it that way. You know, even I, I have gotten that. And when I'm wearing the wigs or the weave, oh, you should always wear your hair like that. You look great, but don't wear something that's seen as ethnic. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, you're doing that again. You can, <laughs> I mean, you can tell. And it's heartbreaking. Like, how would, I don't know, like, just put the shoe on the other foot. Imagine if they came to work with highlights. You're like, oh, you're doing that color thing with your hair. That's exactly. Exactly. Why, why is that? Why is it not accepted to, I was going to get into something else, but I'm not going to say that. But yeah, the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, you have to change your hair texture. Right. 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 You know, and, you know, and it's really sad because, you know, I've, I've seen where, children, you know, little girls going to school with their, you know, hair in their natural state and they're being picked on by, you know, or the teachers. Right. Look, I'll just go ahead and say it. It used to make me feel like, well, we can't change your hair, your skin color, but we can change that hair. Yeah. (laughs) We can't whiten you up, but we can straighten that hair. We can make you straighten that hair. That's close enough. That's how it used to make me feel. So. Right. Yep. Wow. Because especially as children, you can't wear, that is how, yeah, I just saw it as just, you know, trying to erase someone's existence. Yeah, our our, our identity of who we are. Yeah, our identity, that's the right word. Trying to erase our identity altogether. Because I can see if you say just don't, you know, don't wear a rainbow mohawk. I can see that, but... But, you know, going to, you know, trying to be yourself and, you right. know, and you're getting, you know, chastised or picked on because of trying to be yourself, you know, and that, you know, that's makes a last, lasting impression, especially for kids going to, you know, having to deal with that. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's, you know, comes from the education from home, you know, be proud of who you are. You know, don't let anybody outside influence you, um, you know, to change, you know, just because of what their perceptions are. I mean, right. we, you know, we have to learn how to be to love ourselves as who we are. Um, exactly. No. So um, closing and what how can people um, reach out to you? How can they buy their your products? Um, they can visit me at my Etsy shop. Um, okay. If you go to Etsy and enter the Hair Garden Nursery, I should pop up. Um, I'm working on my website um, as well, thehairgarden.org. Okay. Um, I usually have them. I have to restock on there. The holiday season kind of wiped me out, so I'm mm-hmm. going to restock on there as well. But, um, yeah, through Etsy and also through... I'm going to put a um, link. Page. 
Yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna put a link um, from my website to yours. So your uh, website is the hair garden dot org dot org. org. Okay. Yeah. And they can go to the store. I'm still if they go on there and it doesn't let them go on, just give me like a couple of days because I'm working on it. I just updated everything and gonna um, make sure my shopping carts and everything are accessible to everyone. So yes, okay. I do appreciate the love that I get. Well, very good. I really enjoyed talking with you as always. I mean, you know, like I said, when we first um, talked offline the other day, I mean, you were just so much full of information and I could tell that you're not one of those uh, pop up, you know, I just want to, you know, make a hair product. I mean, you know, the outs, you know, you know, the scientific uh, background of, of our hair, how our hair grows, the history of it. Right. So, you know, that that's that's shows that you do have passion and actually oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Like you're you are you're like a hair doctor. You actually know, you know <laughs> actually know about our hair. So yeah, I really thank appreciate you. it. Um like I said, um everybody you want to um visit her website. Um it's um, thehairgarden.org. Also she has a um her product line is on Etsy. I'll uh feature her uh, product on my website. And um, I look forward to talking with you soon. Oh, and let me uh, pitch this in there. I also have accessories because it's not just about the products, it's caring okay. for it. So I have some satin pillows, bonnets, and head wraps and stuff oh, coming up. Good. Okay. I just have to get behind the machine, the sewing machine. But yes, I have all those coming as well for you. Okay. Is, is that going to be on the Etsy store? Or yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, got it. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for joining us and um, I'll talk to you for having me. Melissa, we'll be all right. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.